Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to a good football show. I am Patrick Darty, joined as always by Mr. Denny Carter. Today we'll be talking 2021 zero RB candidates. Uh, Denny has a new article out that an avatarless Twitter user has called "solid info to help you finish dead last." Uh, <laughs> Denny, is this, is this true? Why why are you bilking NBC Universal out of all of its money? Uh, uh, I right, all of it, all of it, really. Um, Yes, it is. It is great information to help you finish uh, last in your league. And this and this really appeals to people who are in leagues that make the last place person do horrible things. You know? Yes, of course. And like, so everyone, you know, when you work at a company, everyone has like their own niche, like your staff niche at NBC Sports Edge is to help people finish last. Right. Um, yeah. So and that, you need that, you needed someone like that. And we did. We didn't have anyone like that. Uh, <laughs> we, we didn't have it was an it's a new skill that we've been trying to utilize. Uh, most of our listeners, Denny, are probably uh, broadly familiar, perhaps even intimately uh-huh. familiar with the zero RB concept. But do you want to give us the quick, yeah. uh, the quick, what, what's the latest yeah. justification for really what is the <laughs> communist manifesto <laughs> fantasy football? What's the latest spin? What's the latest excuse for why zero RB is a real thing? Well, in our in our latest secret meeting uh, in a in a cave in Sweden, I don't even know if Sweden has Sweden probably doesn't have caves. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, actually, it probably. Uh, does every country is uh, we'll, we'll go with greenland then anyway <laughs> uh you know somewhere obscure uh, we we decided to continue uh the march toward everyone using zero rb i'm kidding of course uh the, the reason zero rb one can, world basically this is the one world government this is football is zero rb and yeah exactly and uh, tony pollard is the mark of the beast you know <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Tony Pollard is a perfectly nice uh, and also, gentleman. also, too, do not look for clues in the spot. We are not signaling to any no. of you people. Um, also, yeah, do not play this podcast backwards. That's I, I'm asking you not to do that. Paul okay? is alive. He's not dead. <laughs> oh, that's a boomer reference. Yeah, I know. Exactly. There you go. Uh, see, Hayden's gone one week, and I'm already making references. We are pulling in the 60-year-old, 70-year-old listeners <laughs> one, one at a time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, Zero yeah. RB. Green so, yeah. secret meeting. Let's, just let's, get, let's get to that. Uh, it, is, it is not a strategy um, that will help you finish dead last. Uh, although it does create, it does tend to create a fairly volatile fantasy lineup. So um, yes, uh, it could it could go wrong uh, in a in a in a pretty bad way. But if you hit on uh, the right guys, if you follow the structure of a zero RB draft, you uh, the idea is to end up with both elite uh, wide receivers, tight ends, and then running backs who fall into opportunity. Um, as I write in the in the article this week, you know zero RB is is based on the concept of anti fragility. Um, you know, something that is anti-fragile uh, doesn't just stay the same when when chaos strikes, when uncertainty hits, uh, it actually improves. And uh, so that's that's what you're you're going for with a zero RB build. You're you're trying to pluck up. Uh, I don't know if pluck up is actually a term, but I've never used it. Of course, I just used it now. Uh, you, you try to draft uh, running backs in the later rounds of the draft who could. Uh, fall into opportunity if injury strike the um, you know the starter on the team uh, if backfields generally uh, kind of revert to chaos uh, then suddenly you find yourself with a with a really strong team with uh, running backs who you didn't have to pay up for so very low leverage draft picks and if they don't work out they don't work out you drop them you you remain aggressive on the waiver wire um, I know we'll get into this in a second but the the tiers that I have on uh, NBC Sports Edge right now are based on on best ball drafts and uh, zero RB and best ball uh, is is much different than it will be in uh, in seasonal leagues, um, you know, because you have the waiver wire in seasonal leagues. And if you're super aggressive on the wire um, and pick up running backs who could fall into that opportunity, uh, you put yourself in a good spot. Of course, in best ball um, where you, you you cannot, you know, adjust your lineup, you cannot drop players or add players, um, you know, you don't have that luxury f- for you. So it, it does, it does change the kind of the calculus around, around how close to the sun you want to fly. Yes. And so that's where you said we've got them tiered. Uh, we've got four nice friendly tiers. I had a lot of different thoughts, mostly just jokes I was going to share. Then I forgot them all. So I'm just going, that's actually not a joke. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so instead of just making a pithy comment or two, I think I'll just get us going right sure. into the tiers. I guess it's different in best ball because um, what, why is it different in best ball? Yeah. Because like uh, you, because in like a, a season long league, I mean, uh, you can kind of hit uh, you go. Why is it, why is it different? In best yeah. ball than so time? best ball in, in, in best ball, if it, it does make a lot of sense to um, do, you know, approach it with like a modified zero RB approach. And I know our colleague, John Daigle hates that term and will probably never talk to me again because I used it. <laughs> Um, but you know, so it goes, uh, and, and what that means is basically you use one of your top draft picks on one, one, uh, elite running back, and then you go heavy wide receiver, tight end, um, and so forth down the line until you get into the second half of the draft. And then you pick up some more running backs who, you know, who, who could hit it big in the right circumstances. Uh, so that makes more sense in best ball. I don't think I'm selling out the zero RB movement by saying so. I, I think I've seen, I've seen enough data on, you know, ideal best ball lineup 
uh, constructions to, 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 to say that, um, you know, getting a, a, a little bit robust RB in the beginning of your draft is okay. You don't have to feel bad about yourself. How boomer is it that I kind of use that approach in regular season long leagues where usually most years, my ideal, especially if I have a top four or five pick, I yeah. do go running back. And then I go like three or four receivers in a row. And mm-hmm. I agree with all the principles of zero RB. The only slight quibble I have, and it's not even really a quibble is that, so like I, I'm a big fantasy baseball player. The, the season is 22 weeks long. So like you can kind of like endure a slow start. Mm-hmm. and still become you know have a very good season but fantasy football where it's only 13 weeks long now 14 weeks maybe with the 17 game mm-hmm. season e- even knowing how injury like how in- injury prone the running back position is like even just like four or five games of christian mccaffrey or like saquon barkley can basically like make your season right. and I-, I don't it's just like the upside even like four or five games of like those true bell cow backs the upside is so high that sometimes i can see is i like where they don't even have to play the full season, mm-hmm. but th- this is terrible. I, I'm no, mostly no, no. I, the best ball. I, I, uh, I uh, or zero RB. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to shame you for for this approach. Uh, you know who else? You know, takes that approach of of taking a one uh, elite running back early and going, you know, fairly wide receiver heavy from there is our friend Rich Rebar, uh, who is, of course, one of the foremost minds in all of fantasy. So uh, I I have been in many drafts with Rich, and I've seen him take that approach and build really strong lineups. So I will say that that is viable. I will push back on this idea, which, which I heard a lot on Twitter after NBC sports edge. So kindly tweeted out my, my uh, piece on zero RB. I will push back on the idea that any strategy can win. I don't, uh, I don't, <laughs> I am, I am not on, on board with that. And maybe that's a discussion for another podcast. No, I mean, I, I've won a league before where I didn't draft a wide receiver, Denny. It was a, a one man league. <laughs> but you, but you finished it on top and no one talks about it. Yeah. No one, the people are not talking about no. this. Uh, anyway, we'll get right at tier one. Yeah. So this is yeah. like what the eight to 10 round range. And would this be your first running back? Um, or your second? <laughs> Um, well, it's um, so w- when I was thinking of the tiers, I, I was actually thinking of like, um, you know, prioritizing as, as, a, as a matter of priority. Does that make sense? Like, like these are the guys who I really want to hit on uh, more than, you know, more than on, on tier two, tier three, tier four. Um, and that include that includes Tony Pollard, who, who you know, potentially could in, in a seasonal in a seasonal draft, I could see Tony Pollard being the first running back I choose. And I know that sounds insane to, to a lot of people listening and it, and I, and I get it, but uh, Pollard, we've seen, he's very effective, very productive when given the chance. Uh, The, the issue of course, as, as is the issue with Alexander Madison is that he's basically not startable in any fantasy format, as long as Ezekiel Elliott is uh, healthy and upright. Um, you know, Elliot is going to continue to get a huge share of the uh, backfield touches in Dallas. Um, you know, is it right or is it wrong? It doesn't that doesn't really matter for our purposes. But being able to stash Pollard is is great. Uh, he's available in the 10th round right now. RB 39. I think that's a fairly reasonable uh, price point for a running back like that. Um you know, if if, uh, if the person in your league who who takes Ezekiel Elliott and then Tony Pollard, uh, you know, if they if they if they try to lock up that Dallas backfield, just let them just let them do it. Honestly, you know, 
uh, you you really undercut the depth of your lineup by by doing that sort of thing. Uh, so don't worry about you don't worry about it too much if you miss on them. But I, I really do like Pollard. So yeah, I should have started off talking about the whole tier, by the way. So your whole tier one is Leonard Fournette, Mike Davis, Kenyon Drake, Damian Harris, Alexander Madison, and Tony Pollard. And as, as much as I like to rib you, I was a pretty big fan of the list. Pollard was maybe the only one I like vaguely quibbled with in tier one. Because mm-hmm. Zeke, as far as these things go, Zeke is pretty durable, actually. I mean, about yeah. as durable as a running back can be. That's not to say he never misses games or never gets hurt because he spent – a lot of last year hurt and not operating anywhere near hundred percent health, but he does seem to be more durable than the average running back. And I just kind of wonder if like Tony Pollard is already falling into like the Duke Johnson zone mm. where he's getting typecast as like a pure change of pace, maybe pass catching option. We know he can be more than that. I and mean, he has been more than that when he filled in, but I wouldn't be shocked. Like if Zeke had like an eight game injury or something, if it just became a committee with mm-hmm. Tony Pollard and some other random like early right. down running back maybe. Uh, but it's hard. I mean, it, he's probably just a one for one replacement I, for Zeke. And yeah. it's probably the really only risk is Zeke is not, doesn't seem to miss much time usually, but I mean, Tony Pollard, he, he is, he really does deserve to be like the zero RB poster boy, doesn't he? Cause of the league, he has true league winning upside. Yeah. I, I should say that, you know, uh, the biggest thing you're looking for in a, a zero RB candidate is someone who would have very little competition for touches if his number were called. And I think that's what you have with Pollard. Is, is it possible that he is Duke Johnson? Yeah, I, I, it is. I'm, I, I think that that's a good point. But, you know, getting back to Alexander Madison, it's his show if Dalvin Cook gets dinged up. And we know that. And that that's the sort of information that you need to evaluate, to, you know, and, and determine who you're going to take later in the draft. And your Pollard process is definitely very sound because as it, the roster is constructed right now, he he is a one for one replacement. My thing's like purely theoretical, right? Mm-hmm. I think if there was like a long term Zeke injury, they would make a signing or something. That's sure. purely you can't draft based on like a purely theoretical point, though, and that is a purely theoretical. So that's how you know it's a great point. Exactly. It, uh, <laughs> so the next back we're going to talk about from tier one is Mr. Damian Harris from yes. the Patriots. Uh, yeah. Lay it on us. So, uh, you know, the Patriots are are clearly as of right now, who know, you know, are they going to trade into that fourth spot in the draft and and get a quarterback? Um, and it will that quarterback change the dynamic of the offense? These are all questions that I that bounce around in my head all day. But they're they're clearly right now gearing up to, you know, pummel the league into submission uh via a huge a, a large run heavy lineup. Um, and I think that Belichick is going to embrace and, and already has embraced to an extent uh, cutting against the pass heavy grain of the league. Uh, will it work? Uh, you know, uh, from a subjective standpoint, I hope not. But uh, <laughs> if it does, you're definitely going to want uh, whoever is the primary ball carrier for New England. And right now that looks like it would be, uh, you know, Damian Harris. He saw uh, 14.3 touches per game in 10 starts last year. He suffered that ankle in- injury that he really didn't get over uh, late in the season. Uh, but his usage was solid. And I think that the team wants him to be the guy in the backfield. Um, I, I don't think that he would be, you know, in line for, you know, uh, 20 touches a game or anything. But in in that sort of offense, if it is really effective on the ground, um, you're going to want whoever is taking those those carries from Cam Newton or whoever the quarterback is. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of surprised. So right now his ADP is only in the ninth round, right? Mm-hmm. That seems pretty low to me, to be honest. This was an offense last year that was it was making Sony Michelle look like Nick Chubb, basically. Like <laughs> there anyone they gave the ball to was averaging over five yards per carry. And I think according to the eye test, according to like any metric, Damian Harris is a better runner than Sony Michelle at this point. Yeah, you know, it's an offense that was supposed to lose. Uh, both Joe Thune and David Andrews from their interior offensive line. They did lose Joe Thune to the Chiefs, but they actually ended up resigning David Andrews. Like everything still points. They reunited with one of their old offensive linemen who's on the Dolphins last year, Ted Karras. Kara, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I think that's I don't, they don't they don't make us learn how to pronounce offensive linemen. <laughs> we just we just read it and write we it. We just read it. We don't <laughs> um but it's like everything about this offense is still designed for a power rushing attack. The only thing I'll say, I, I think the answer is no. So I'm going to just already tell you what I think the answer to this question should be. But would drafting a quarterback, the Patriots drafting a quarterback, change this at all? Or would Damian Harris still be as attractive as a of a, a zero yeah. RB option? I, I, I think if they drafted um, you know, a mobile quarterback, a dual threat quarterback, I, I think that his prospects would remain pretty much the same. Um, if they went with a more pure pocket passer uh then it would it might be an issue but i just really yeah every, everything that they've done this off season and in free agency it just it just screams that they're they're going with cam they're going with one of the dual threat quarterbacks if they can get them in the draft yeah they truly seem to be doubling down on this approach and a very classic probably smart bill belichick i mean we may not like it no but peak performance in this era <laughs> of nfl might be the run zag when everyone uh. else is still zigging with the yes, pass. So yes. that completes tier one. It yeah. brings us to tier two, which Denny has some controversial names in here. Uh, I mean, not actually really that. Uh, Ronald Jones, Gus Edwards, mm-hmm. Jamal Williams, who the, I believe the Lions number four running back, Jamal Williams. <laughs> oh, uh, Latavius nice. Murray, 49ers is Jeff Wilson. Mm-hmm. Damian Williams is on the Bears, question mark, I think. Uh, and Michael Boone, Mike Boone. That's tier two. Yeah. First person we're going to talk about is Gus Edwards, which I totally agree with. Give yeah. us the Gus spiel. Yes, yes, right. So, so Gus, so Mark Ingram is gone. I don't know if you heard. He's now one of the eleven running backs in the Houston backfield. Um, you know, Gus Edwards was solid last year. He had 153 touches in what was the NFL's run heaviest offense. He has a, a pretty clear path to weekly relevance. I think in, you know, maybe slightly deeper formats. I know that's a catch-all, but I, I feel obliged to say it. Um, and it, it, he only has J.K. Dobbins in, in front of him right now. Uh, if anything happened to Dobbins, and again, we're not wishing this on the running backs, okay? Like, I think that's that's one thing about Zero RB I want to make clear. You, you know, we're not, uh, I'm not going into the season being, you know, uh, with uh, voodoo dolls, you know, poking them, hoping that J.K. Dobbins hurts an ankle or something, you know? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm truly uh, don't want to see that. If it happens, I want Gus Edwards <laughs> on my on my team. Here's something that I didn't know, Pat, before doing research on this Zero RB article. Um, he was uh, Gus Edwards had Pro Football Focus's fourth best rushing grade in 2020, which is something. It's not nothing. I would say he's available in the 11th round at RB 43. Uh, if you go with this kind of zero RB build, I just feel I just see no reason not to get Gus Edwards. This is another one where I'm kind of surprised the ADP is only in the 11th round. Because I mean, you could say this is because of the system he runs in. 
Uh, but three years in a row, he's averaged over five yards per carry on 130 carries. And maybe that's pure system stuff. I mean, I have no idea, but the system has not changed. And you know, any traditional stat, any advanced metric tends to regard Gus Edwards as one of the league's better pure runners. Mm-hmm. And to me, he's like the zero RB jackpot because he has standalone value. Right, uh, right. Like that, that's what you really want to look for, someone who actually has some standalone value. And then if there's an injury in front of them, then they go stratospheric. And Gus Edwards won't have three down upside. He's not a pass catcher at all. But this is an offense that we know uses two running backs yeah. no matter what. And, I mean, 130 seems like a very reasonable over-under for Gus Edwards' 2021 carry total. And I would take the over. Yeah, just as, as one of the league's better pure runners mm-hmm. and an offense that we, we – there's quite literally – so the Patriots were pretty sure – or main run heavy smash mouth. You're a thousand percent positive. The Ravens will remain that. Yeah. And again, surprising ADP to me. Right. Free agent wide receivers were also a hundred percent sure that the Ravens were going to stay, stay (laughs) run heavy. Uh, Yeah. And, and Dobbins, you mentioned the, the over five yards per carry uh, three years in a row. That's very rare, exceedingly rare in the NFL. So I I just, I think he is a guy you just have to pick up and, and his, you know, it's not like you have to think about it too hard in the 11th or 12th round, honestly. And we know that yards per carry isn't necessary. I mean, that's not like a sticky stat. We know no. it's not like uh we know that's very context dependent, but mm-hmm. the context is not changing for Gus Edwards right. is the right. point. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Before we get to our next player, I would like to remind our audience that an NBC Sports Edge premium subscription now includes all sports. So you can get access to NBA, NHL, and MLB premium products all under the same umbrella. That includes all of our draft guides. For 10% off any subscription, enter the promo code GOOD10. That is GOOD10 for 10% off. Denny, back to our zero RB runners. We're still in tier two. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some people are saying this is the best tier. Yeah, I mean, I I would say so. We talked about Gus Edwards, who probably should have been in tier one. You know, if I, if I actually edited whatever, I would say put yeah. Gus Edwards yeah. in tier one. That's a good. It's a good point. I, I I actually, after after talking it out with you, I don't know why Gus Bus is not in tier one. Yeah, I reject <laughs> I reject this article after it's already been posted. I reject it. You can't post this. Uh, <laughs> But now we're going to move on to a true two-tier two runner. That is Jeff Wilson on the 49ers, who actually has a higher ADP, much higher ADP um, than Mr. Gus Edwards. Give us the lay of the land with Jeff Wilson. Yeah, people are unfortunately on to Jeff Wilson. uh, Ninth round ADP going as the 37th running back uh, off the board. I mean, you know, you, you want... The starting back, the main, the primary ball carrier in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Period. No matter what you think of that, of that player. So uh, last year, Wilson had 19, 23, and 23 touches in his three starts for the Niners. 
he proved capable at worst and pretty great uh, at, at best, um, including a late season start against Arizona where he totaled 204 yards. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of upside there with Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, of course, has a, a long uh, injury history, as fantasy managers can attest. Uh, he's missed 20 regular season games over the past four seasons, and that does not include uh, several games in which he um, was taken out during the game. So, uh, you know, Wilson is set to be that guy who takes over from Mostert if and when Mostert gets dinged up. I, I also don't hate Mostert, by the way, in a zero RB build, but... I I'm, I'm going with, I'm going with the, the, the less expensive 49ers uh, running back here. I will say I'm going to fade Mostert this year. We actually talked about this on the very rare show that you were not on last week. Uh-huh. Denny has become the core, you're the <laughs> ultimate glue guy for our pods. And I don't mean glue guy in a derisive way. Denny is, he's Mr. Pod, but we talked about Raheem Mostert last week and you know, 29 years old, the career journeyman, you know, injury prone, like yeah. injury prone might not be a real thing. He's missed a lot of games in his career. I just think kind of like flopped his big moment last year. So I wouldn't be shocked if Raheem Mostert is a much smaller part of the 49ers plans this year. I mean, Jeff Wilson already has three career, two touchdown games. So we know Kyle Shanahan is comfortable with him in the most important part of the field for fantasy purposes. The one thing I will say is I see almost no way the 49ers don't come out of the draft with a running back. Uh, Kyle Shannon has aggressively addressed running back throughout his career, yeah. both free agency and the draft. And the free agency approach has not worked in San Francisco. So I think he's going to go back to the draft. Well, he, he kind of like, I think the legend in Atlanta was that he like personally targeted Tevin Coleman. He was the one driving the Tevin Coleman selection. I think mm-hmm. we're going to get some kind of hand selected uh, Kyle Shanahan running. I think they did that with Joe Williams in San Francisco too. That didn't work out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think we're going to get another yeah. Kyle Shanahan driven draft pick. And I, I don't think we have the final form here of this 49ers back. You're probably right. And, and, and I will obviously be very into whichever rookie. Yeah. There. <laughs> yeah. Denny will be all over. This is something, by the way, you're, you're a zero RB that you're going to be updating all off season. That's right. Yes. The, the, the best ball tiers will fluctuate uh, as the off season goes on. As you know, Pat beats me into Gus Edwards getting higher, which is which is you know right rightfully so. Uh, and then you know, post draft things change, things things will 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 change tremendously. I I have a, a couple, two or three rookies in these tiers right now. Kind of my best guesses as to who could remain, you know, a late round target, but end up on a on a a, a team without a dominant rusher. Anyway, check out the article; you'll see what I'm talking about. Check it out. Now we'll check out tier three. That's Philip Lindsay, Zach Moss, AJ Dillon, Miles Gaskin, and Michael Carter. Uh, yeah. Is that a, a real person? It is. It is it's a real person. <laughs> um, I shouldn't make those kind of jokes. Uh, first person we're going to talk about, a very real person. I don't know if you heard about this, but he had a bell cow game in the snow last year. AJ Dillon. Yep. Why is AJ Dillon the perfect tier three zero RB running back? So he falls into, you know, that basket of backs who would presumably be the lead back if, you know, Aaron Jones missed any time this season. The issue with with Dylan uh, as of right now is that unlike Jamal Williams, people might be upset about this, but unlike Jamal Williams, uh, Dylan will have zero weekly usage or usefulness in um, 
in, in fantasy leagues if Aaron Jones is upright and healthy. And, and that was not the case. Jamal, Jamal Williams was, was a, a, a viable starter in deeper formats last year because of his involvement inside the 10 yard line and because of his involvement in the passing game for green Bay. So that's not happening with Dylan. That that's why I, I have him in tier three instead of tier one or tier two, because his ADP is absurd. You know, it's, it is. It's, it's seventh, seventh round RB 31. No way. There's no way I, I would have to see his ADP drop at least two rounds, maybe up to four rounds before I went in on, on Dylan. But, you know, in the right spot, I think he makes a lot of sense for a zero RB build. I mean, this is maybe the most volatile one we've talked about yet, because you said the problem is he he'll have some weekly carries. But I, I agree. With you. I think he'll have zero standalone value because he's not going to be catching passes. And he could be one of the best goal line backs in the NFL, but could like in front of him, we have someone who we know is one of the best goal line backs in the NFL and at least scores the most touchdowns, Aaron Jones. Maybe he's not actually a good goal line back. And it's just because he's in this great offense with Aaron Rodgers drawing so much attention, but it's like, where, yeah, where is the path to like standalone fantasy value for AJ Dillon? Now, of course, if Aaron Jones is hurt, AJ Dillon is still a viable zero RB approach because if Aaron Jones gets hurt, then you basically have Derrick Henry on your bench. Like he's going to be like a Derrick Henry type runner. So Man, but it's it's so much excited. about the injuries in front of AJ Dillon, whereas a lot of these other guys at least have some base of standalone <laughs> value. Next is Zach Moss. Yes. Um, but this is one, I mean, we shouldn't talk. Well, why are we even talking about this? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. was the only one you said that I felt this nothing when you said it. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 And, and it makes sense because Buffalo runs a very pass heavy attack. You know, Moss and Singletary had their chances to you know, seize the means of backfield production last <laughs> season. And I'm sorry to get political. <laughs> and they didn't. They did not. Um, you know, and. Moss is now available in the eleventh round, RB forty one. Uh, it would you would you would think that the Bills would want to to you know see if he could succeed to give him every chance to succeed and or fail, um, and so that's why I stuck him on here instead instead of Singletary. I mean Singletary was truly uh, completely for fantasy purposes completely useless uh, last year when Moss was out for several games late in the season. So I could not in good faith put Singletary in, in any of these four tiers. This will shock longtime Denny fans, but I, I'm going to accuse Denny of being a zero RB poser oh. because he said Zach Moss instead of Matt Breida, who is now on the Buffalo bills. That, <laughs> that's, that's the real zero RB approach with this bills team. Denny in, in the, the cave meeting uh, that, that I referred to earlier, we decided to swear off Matt Breida is no longer a thing in zero RB. I'm sorry to report. I think it's probably the right approach. If Kyle Shanahan swears off Matt Breida, which did shock me, oh, we probably all should be. Right. And cause he was badly needed for a big role for the Miami dolphins last year and uh, did not deliver. So yeah, it will come down. Once again, to Zach Moss and Devin Singletary in Buffalo. Briefly, we'll hit on tier four. That includes Sony Michelle, Darrington Evans, LaMichael P. Ryan, Benny Snell, Marlon Mack, Carlos Hyde, and Kylan Hill. We're only going to talk about Darrington Evans. Why is he is he your favorite back from tier four? Is that why we're talking yeah. about him? It, you know, it's either him, and I know, gosh, this is something <laughs> I never want to say. It's either him or Sony Michelle. Uh, but you, you know, like you said, we talked about earlier, like you, you're just going to want that early, early down ball carrier for new England. And if it happens to be Michelle, even if 
you know, you, you, you can't stand him. Even if he's hurt you in fantasy, you hold your nose and you go with him. Anyway, back to Evans. Uh, so Evans missed a lot of time last year is kind of a, kind of a lost year for him, uh, as a rookie, but Derek Henry is 27 years old. He has 718 regular season rushes over the last, uh, I'm sorry, touches over the last two seasons, 718. That's just an unbelievable number. That is a lot. (laughs) Um, you know, uh, Evans coming into the league was sort of an exciting prospect, 86 percentile speed score, 81st percentile burst score at the combine. Um, you know, he, he, he looks to be the heir to Henry. And and I don't mean long-term. I just mean in the, in the, in the short term, if anything happens to Henry, um, you know, will anything happen to Henry as he does push-ups with a 400-pound chain around his neck? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like Evans would have a lot of competition for touches. And that's really, that's really, I keep coming back to that, but that really is like the test. Like if you run a running back through that test and say, does he have a ton of competition for touches if he gets an opportunity? And the answer is no, you're going to want him. It's true. It was it, all true. I'll say with Darrington Evans, it was a little weird. Like he, he wasn't like a pass catching dynamo in college, but I expected him to like catch more passes. Like I think he caught two, uh, so that was weird. Yeah, and like it kind of became like a, just a complete nightmare behind Derrick Henry last year. Or like like very very random people were mixing in for change of pace touches, but I totally agree. It's still a super random group behind Derrick Henry, and the only one with any upside with any real investment from the Titans is Evans. And he is just a true plug and play. He would be a league winning type. Uh, Derrick Henry doesn't seem to get hurt. I mean, the zoomers have never heard of game of Thrones, but Derrick Henry is probably the closest thing we have to real life, the mountain. And yes. he just does not seem to get hurt. But Darrington Evans, again, like that ADP is just nuts. It's the 24th round. I mean, he, he, I could see Darrington Evans, of course, going undrafted in like a traditional oh, yeah, round sure. draft. Yeah. But like, yeah, that is like, you know, there's, that's just like free money. Essentially. Yeah. Like, well, it's like, why not? You know, it's like a, why not situation. And, and again, you know, it'd be tough in some best ball formats, depending on the depth of your bench, it would be tough to take a Darrington Evans over some of these other guys. Uh, I think, but um, I, I'm, I'm looking toward, you know, leagues with, with large ro- best ball leagues with large rosters. And then into seasonal, I think he gets more interesting. Denny, instead of ending the show at a very natural endpoint, we're going to do a bit really quick. All right. I'm just now being very it. meta, announcing it to the people. I just say we we dearly miss Hayden Winks already, yes. um, but his departure has been freeing in some ways because we currently do not have a Zoomer on staff, and you know that frees us up to talk about certain things. And I just wanted at the end of the show, I just wanted to ask you, what are some things that you feel more comfortable talking about? Now that Zoomer Hayden is gone. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we get to talk about older millennial things <laughs> and you know, that's something that I missed, uh, you know, because I didn't, I didn't want to alienate uh, Hayden. You know, I didn't no. want to talk about things. We don't that, want to make it a hostile work environment. No, no, not, not entirely. Um, <laughs> so, you know, one, one thing that we're able to talk about now that there's no Zoomers around, you know, being able to afford things, you know, having some money. These are things that Zoomers can't relate to because, no. Uh, you know, they've lived through uh, two uh, worldwide financial crises, uh, several more to go, I'm sure. And, and uh, you know, and they're saddled with that, you know, very, very bleak situation for the Zoomers. And I feel terrible about it. But as an older millennial, 
um, I can, we can finally talk about being able to afford a $12 bucket of balls at the driving range. You know, as, as an older millennial, I have memory I, in my lifetime, if you can believe it or not, you could buy a 20 ounce Mountain Dew Code Red for 99 cents. <laughs> that was something that actually happened in my lifetime. So that's just insane. I mean, when I first started driving, gas was a dollar fifty. No, that actually is true. Uh, yeah, you know, probably is bad. Um, maybe <laughs> yeah, that was probably bad. The gas was so cheap. I want to say, speaking of gas and car, mm-hmm. I feel much freer to talk about Ford Tauruses now. Uh, you know, Hayden had no idea what a Ford Taurus was. Uh, these things were just absolutely everywhere. Uh, you know, back in the the the, the Halkion, how, is that how you pronounce the word millennial days when we were growing up? I believe so. Um, I had two Ford Tauruses, by the way. Yeah, uh, they were my third and fourth car. I had a Saturn, truly the worst car ever. I think we've talked about on the pod before. I had a 1986 <laughs> Ford Crown Victoria LTD that I purchased for five hundred dollars, and then I had two old police car Saturns that were bought. <laughs> What? At the St. Charles County Police Auction. Um, oh my God! For about twenty five hundred dollars each, I think, and they were you know these things were up around one hundred and fifty thousand miles when I got them. They didn't last very long, but the Ford Taurus was just everywhere. Yeah. Only nineties kids will remember this. Only nineties, and and you know, as I told you before the show, uh, there was a joke on SNL when Ford stopped they making no the Taurus. By the way, yeah, Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. Night Live. It's, it's on NBC. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it is. It's that we're we're company men. The um, you know, and and they had a joke when Ford stopped making the Taurus. It, it was uh, something along the lines of now people have to find a new way to show that their dreams are dead. Hey, my my dreams were just <laughs> beginning. Okay, again, these are pristine. Exp- they might have had a lot of miles on them, but at the police auction. They were cheap. They were reliable. They weren't actually that reliable. They required a lot of work. Wait, uh, you were you were dreaming while you were driving. That that Taurus. You were dreaming. Yeah. I'm going to be a, a sports writer someday. You're... That sounds like a very dare '90s slogan. Dream instead of drinking while you drive. Why don't you dream while you drive? Right. Try dreaming. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> It'll make you. I don't know. Uh, I got nothing. You got, to one, you got one more thing, Denny. One more thing well, that we can talk about. We have to talk about this because because you're you're here, and, and, and that is we get to talk about CDs, oh, which no. is a, which is a way for the people you know for the Zoomers listening. It's a way that you listen to music that is not through streaming. So, Pat, tell the people about your CD situation. I was hoping you were going to go with commercials instead of CDs. I think I've made this disturbing admission now on one too many podcasts, but that is that I still buy CDs. Uh, I am now branded a serial killer uh, for being <laughs> someone who buys CDs. But basically, from a very young age, I committed. I was a very committed CD mm-hmm. buyer. Mm-hmm. It was like my collection and then, you know, 2007, 2008 rolls around. No one's buying CDs anymore. But I'm like, I already have all these. I'm I'm a collecting type. I like to collect things. Mm-hmm. I committed to CDs as my collection. I have hundreds of CDs. I think, too, uh, getting on a very, uh, not just millennial, but boomer rant, I do think people are going to miss physical things. And I'm very into music. I want to have, like, a physical reminder of, like, the music I've loved and, like, mm-hmm. something I can look at. And uh, I, I actually will, I will vouch, I will stump, I will bang the table for uh, CDs or physical media in general. They, so you're, you're, you're saying this uh, without remembering that there, eventually there will be a day when no one remembers physical media. Yeah, and so they won't miss it because they never had it. Because, you know, a 30 year old today has never had physical media in their, in, in their lives. And, but you're right. I, I do, I do like that. I have right sitting there next to me, uh, uh, a huge 
collection of CDs that I used to keep in my car. And and I'll, I'll never I'll never get rid of this. I, one question before we wrap it up: What was your first CD? My very first CD. This is actually not a joke. Was the Steve Miller Band's '74 to '78 Greatest Hits? That's awesome. Uh, my first modern CD that I had to yeah. have from like a modern artist was Alanis Morissette's "Jagged Little Pill." Um, of course, it was. Um, you know, that's the minor '90s hit. I think only like 25 million copies sold. Exactly. Um, so. My mine uh, was the uh, greatest hits of the Eagles. There, you, my parents took care of that one, so I didn't have to buy either Volume One or Volume Two. They had already yeah. purchased it. Volume Two, much better. Shortly after that, I got Jock Jams. <laughs> there you go. I bought Led Zeppelin Four was one of the first I bought. Uh, Chumbawamba was probably like the twentieth I bought. I bought Chumbawamba. Oh, baby. a lot of great CDs out there. I don't put Chumbawamba in my display, by the way. There's some, you know, I don't display. Those are just like in a box. Yeah, it's probably best to keep the Chumbawamba stored away. Maybe show those to your kids someday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as a re- a true relic. <laughs> that is all for today's show. I am Patrick Darty. Stanny Carter. Go check out his Zero RB article on the site. It'll be updated all off season. Uh, we'll catch you later in the week with Mr. Matt Straub and John Daigle. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.